Hello, and welcome to the Stockout. Happy Friday. Uh, this is the Stockout. This is your show at FreightWaves for uh, all things related to consumer goods, CPG companies, and CPG companies supply chains. I am your host, Mike Bowdendistel. I'm an analyst and market expert here at uh, FreightWaves, and title of today's show is Ocean Carriers Print Money. What comes next? That's the topic uh, for today that we're going to be focusing in, in on, and uh, we're very fortunate to have uh, as, as a guest, uh, John uh, McCown. John's the founder of Blue Alpha Cal Capital. Uh, is really an expert in the maritime industry. I'll introduce him a little bit more in depth uh, coming up. Um, but first, I'd uh, just like to take a moment to thank our sponsor. Uh, sponsor of the Stockout uh, Show is uh, NYSHEX. That's the New York Shipping Exchange. Uh, New York Shipping Exchange, or NYSHEX, is supporting the transformation of container shipping by solving inefficiencies associated with booking downfalls and shipment rollings. To learn more, please visit uh, www.nyshex.com, N-Y-S-H-E-X.com. Uh, uh, someone from Nyshex, I believe it's Brian Most, who's going to be on the, uh, the Stockout podcast and show uh, next Friday. So uh, we'll learn all about their uh, product, um, trying to get a little bit more teeth associated with uh, you know maritime you know, shipping contracts. All so many shippers are, are frustrated with containers, you know, rolling from one vessel to the next vessel. It's really been one of the big topics of 2021, um, and really, I think the big topic of 2021 in uh, freight transportation logistics has been just the absolutely crazy ocean shipping market. Um, which uh, sort of running out of uh, you know, hyperbolic words to describe it. Um, but to help us make sense of the ocean shipping market is our guest, uh, John McCown. John's the founder of Blue Alpha Capital and has, a, has had a tremendous amount of experience in the um, you know, maritime industry. I got to know John a little bit when he was the CEO of Trailer Bridge, a company that moved you know, containerized uh, you know, shipments from uh, mainland U.S., from Florida to, uh, to Puerto Rico and elsewhere in the, in the Caribbean. So, um, you know, can we bring John in? And, and, and John, I want to thank you for, for, for joining uh, us this afternoon. Thank you, Mike. Pleased to be, be with you. Um, yeah. uh, I've been in the, the shipping sector for uh, four decades, really, as an operator and an investor. Um, as you said, I was at Crayler Bridge for some 20 years. Um, and then I spent uh, about five years uh, investing at, uh, in transports worldwide at Paulson & Company. Uh, more recently, I'm working on a couple of entrepreneurial uh, situations in the uh, shipping space. Um, but um, uh, my mentor was Malcolm McLean, the gentleman who invented container shipping. Uh, I spent a lot of time following what's going on in the space. Um, recently wrote a book that uh, is getting some, some pretty positive reviews called Giants of the Sea. It's a book about really the development and history of the modern cargo shipping industry and what it does, really more of a primer. But uh, I'm pleased to be here and uh, would, would, would be pleased that one of the container shipping is one of my, my favorite topics. And, and boy, um, is there a lot of, lot of, lot of um, uh, change going on uh, you know, in that market. Yeah, that's a tremendous bio. Um, we're really fortunate to, to have you with us. And um, just want to maybe get things started with um, just talking about your most recent report. Just read it. Um, you know, the other day, and you talked about just, you know, you analyzed the profitability of the various uh, ocean shipping, shipping carriers, ocean shipping industry. They keep setting records upon records. It seems like each quarter is better than the last. 
you know, how sustainable do you think those results are when we look forward? And as, as sort of as, as we look forward, is is are we going to look back and, and say 2021 was really the 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 best we've we've ever seen? We're ever going to see again, or is it maybe a little bit more sustainable into next year? How do you how do you think about those results? Uh, you know, going forward, and, and if you wouldn't mind sharing, if you have any sort of stats in your back pocket to to demonstrate just how tremendous those profits have, have been relative to history, we'd love to hear those as well. I'd be pleased to do that. Um, yeah, I, I think they're sustainable, certainly through uh, the balance of this year and uh, the early part of next year. And that, that's just based on what's really already baked in with, with volume and rates. Um, uh, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, uh, uh, in, in the most recent quarter that was reported, the industry earned uh, some $28 billion, uh, which was a record. Uh, the first quarter before that, I think it was $19 billion, which was the record. Uh, in the fourth quarter of last year, it was 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 nine billion, which was a record. Again, that's a record, uh, absolute profit and relative profit uh, from the very beginning of the industry. And and there's a chart. I I, I think I don't know um, if if how I said. There's a chart that I put together that shows the quarterly profit, actual profit over the last um, uh, five years. And and what jumps out at you is um, uh, talk about kind of a hockey. St- curve in the recent past. I mean, literally at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the container industry was barely profitable and the cumulative results in the last five years were actually negative. Um, and, and what happened to change that uh, is, is something that takes a little unpacking, but uh, it was a number of things that kind of came together. Uh, and uh, part of it uh, uh, the initial catalyst was the industry immediately taking action to reduce capacity when the pandemic uh, came into being. Uh, and, and I think uh, it was uh, upwards of 15% of the capacity was, was laid up. Uh, and, and, and I think that measure was, uh, was roughly what the immediate uh, uh, volume shock uh, back in the financial crisis. So that was kind of a guide. And as it turned out, that uh, uh, initially was was a bit of an overcorrection. There were certainly uh, some rather major shocks initially, uh, but they, they they were fairly uh, short. And I have another graph that kind of shows the monthly change in inbound U.S. volume. The story also, it's well, it's a global story. Um, it really started in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. was the driver of the spike in volume, and it was the driver we, we all now know um, you know, because both uh, the uh, 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 change in spending patterns, people working more at home, getting things for their home, then on top of that, that, not going to restaurants, not taking vacation. So the share of wallet went into tangible goods. And the U.S. was clearly the leader in that. But it's, it's worth kind of thinking of the container systems of all the carriers as, as, as inevitably linked. It's one giant system. So so that problem or what started in the U.S. kind of flowed through 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 every place. But the um, uh, so so to get back to the beginning of how this happened, a uh, uh, first capacity was was um, uh, taken out, uh, ended up being a little bit of an overcorrection. Then you go back to to last summer and, and all of a sudden there was no longer dips. And that was the very beginning of the sharp increase in volume. Uh, and, and what's really happened at all points, um, uh, uh, that, that supply-demand dynamic, which is the intersection with which uh, shipping and particularly container rates are set, was favorable for carriers. And, and that's a bit of a, 
uh, a, a rare situation. Uh, but it, it not only was favorable, uh, but it got more favorable as the volume started to step up. And then the other thing that um, uh, is probably the most uh, 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 the widest effect right now is that volume led to congestion and, and it led to congestion and bottlenecks and choke points throughout the system. Uh, uh, you know, at the terminals, even beyond the terminals, the, the rail inland to get it away. And what happened with that is the, the cycle time, uh, which uh, uh, previously you really could kind of almost set your watch by uh, the cycle time when a, when a ship can't go to a berth and it's waiting at anchor, uh, you know, a five-week voyage turned into a six-week voyage. And that cycle time is what has really robbed effective capacity. Uh, not only capacity with the vessels, but capacity with the equipment. And uh, 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 that ex exacerbated the situation on top of the volume. So, so broadly speaking, um, uh, the, the initial catalyst for all of this was, uh, in my view, was the carriers um, uh, uh, taking, taking aggressive steps to reduce capacity. And, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think that that has worked out better than they ever expected. That certainly wasn't the 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 impact of everything, but that kind of got them got things started for the carriers. And I'm speaking just from the carrier standpoint, put them in a very favorable situation. And and Mike, as you and your uh, uh, your listeners know, um, you know, service in the container shipping area has never been been worse uh, by by any metric that you want to set it by by. Uh, uh, by 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 schedule by timing, um, but uh, ironically, the results have never ever been better. So I I, I think that uh, uh, you're going to see uh, right now uh, the carriers are still in the the driver's seat. Um, if you look at the numbers, they're going to be in that for for a little while, just based on what is what is baked in. Um, and I I think that the thing to watch is this new tool of um, uh, blank sailings, of, of immediately and aggressively cutting and managing capacity uh, so that they're in a more favorable condition. So I, I, I think it, um, it's, it's too early to tell if I, I'm, I'm, nobody has been more surprised in the um, incredible results of the carriers. Again, prior to the pandemic, one could argue that the container shipping industry, its cumulative results were worse than than any industry um, out there in terms of cumulative performance, if you look at net income, uh, even worse than the airline industry. And uh, along came the pandemic, and that led to a whole bunch of things um, that, that ended up being kind of a rather virtuous circle for the carriers. So I, I think it, um, time still, uh, 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 it's, it's still too early to tell. I'm uh, you know, uh, has carrier DNA changed? Uh, has the the usual um, uh, uh, situation where volume goes down and they they compete on rates? Um, uh, it's it's still too early to tell. Now that being said, there have been some some actions that have been set in motion, um, uh, uh, both in terms of ordering vessels and actions that carriers took that are kind of, um, that, that will unwind. And, and that by itself, and I'll get into that a, a little bit, but I, I don't, but if, if you have, if you have one of those charts, either on the volume or the, um, the net income, that might be illustrative to, to the viewers. 
Yeah, production. Yeah, there's there's one on inbound container volume, you know, per month. And I think right. I think I mean, I think one of the takeaways for me from looking at that is like, okay, volumes are 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 higher. They started being higher last fall, and we've sort of had a peak season since last fall. But that's really not the whole story. You know, those volumes in and of themselves would not have caused these tremendous profits that we that we saw. It was. You know, exactly. all this disruption in, in, in China at the ports, you know, the, the 60 or whatever you know, number of vessels waiting at the port of L.A., which, you know, just reduced the, the, the capacity, um, you know, in the industry. And, you know, I've seen estimates that that's taken out. You know, some people say it takes out 10 percent of the capacity. Some people estimate it takes out more like 25 percent of the capacity. It's hard to tell exactly how much, but it's clear that it's taken a tremendous amount of capacity out of the system. And that has contributed yes. to the profitability. It certainly has, and, and Mike, you're you're completely right. Uh, the the issue right now, and really at all times, has been more the uh, capacity issue. Uh, uh, volume, like you say, has been been robust, but when you compare the volume going back to 2019, uh, you know, because you had these favorable comparisons on weak quarters, it's it's been up nicely, but it's still, um, uh, uh, you know, worldwide, uh, uh, you know, not much more than a 5% uh, growth rate, which which is not uh, uh, out, outside of historical. Uh, it's really that capacity. And, and you're right, um, uh, 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 IBM uh, came out with a recent study that, that said that they believe that the congestion alone effectively took out 11% of the capacity. Uh, and I think that number, and that's worldwide, I, I think it's been more pronounced than that in the U.S. Um, and, and then on top of that, another thing that hasn't been reported, but that's had an effect, that, that 11% in that IBM study was through just the middle of this year from September of last year. Certainly all of the data in the, in the two months since then suggests that that's gotten even worse. But there's another thing to keep in mind that that um, 11% or whatever the number is, is, is after the effect of, of vessels going faster. Starting in July of last year, uh, container ships consistently went faster. Uh, and by one measure uh, from, from uh, July of last year to June of this year, um, the average speed was up about 8%. So you have that 11% and the effect of going faster to mitigate, you know, the effect of the, the, the vessels, um, uh, you know, sitting at anchor. And, and that's, you know, pushing kind of a 20% um, a twenty percent effect. And, and most of that, uh, you know, over time uh, will perhaps unwind, uh, uh, you know, the, um, uh, and, and, and so then on top of that, you have uh, what's been a, a very significant order book. Now, the, the ships that are ordered now and were ordered months ago, um, you know, aren't going to be here for a couple of years at least. And, and you know, the shipyards are starting to get uh, busy with slots. But, but um, it's not easy to, not difficult to kind of look out and say, well, wait a minute, uh, once we normalize and, 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 and once we get past these, um, uh, these, these, these choke points, um, there's going to be a lot of, lot of capacity coming along. And so that's why I I, I go back to the um, blanking the ceilings. You know, I think, uh, uh, you know, if there's not going to be um, a lot of blank ceilings going forward, and that's a tool that has worked very well for the carriers, um, you know, then it's going to be one situation. If they're blank ceilings, um, uh, it, it, it perhaps won't be uh, as good as it's been. But but the numbers are 
are, 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 are really uh, just amazing. And, and at, at $28 billion in net income for the, the sector in the second quarter uh, will most definitely be beat by the third quarter and, and likely by the fourth quarter. You kind of see on that, that chart in terms of volume coming into the U.S., uh, you know, particularly on the West Coast, um, full is full. I mean, the terminals are, uh, there, there was one outlier, but for the most part, the terminals are, are moving uh, everything they can. Uh, there are things being looked at and, and studies, and I'm sure individual carriers and port authorities um, uh, will, will, will take a hard look at this and, and figure out as uh, is, is they can, you know, what are the bottlenecks? You know, what are some of the things that we can um, improve to, to, to uh, increase the throughput? But right now, you know, full is full. And so the, uh, in August, the year-over-year increase is only about 7.5% uh, in the U.S. That's the first time, I think, in, in 12 months that it hasn't been double-digit. And if you go back to May, which I think was the peak, uh, uh, May itself, uh, uh, memory serves, was was literally a a seventy five percent seventy percent increase in inbound container volume versus May of last year. What's What's amazing to me is that the system, uh, uh, the carriers and and the terminals, has really worked as well as it has with that kind of kind of onslaught of volume. Um, yeah, so a lot of great detail there. Um, I mean, I guess one question is, you know, how important is the ocean industry concentration here? I mean, there's been a lot of consolidation. I mean, they really have 10 carriers that control 85% of the, the volume. But if you think about those three big alliances, it's more like three control 85% of the industry. And, you know, how is the industry, you know, regulated for things like anti-competitive practices? I mean, I know if this was a U.S. industry, which it's not, the Biden administration would be, would be all over it and doing the same type of actions they're doing with like the meat industry and these all these other industries as part of their executive order. But any thoughts on 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 that? Well, you, you hit the nail on the head in that the the consolidation in the industry is in the form of the alliances. Um, in terms of the individual companies, uh, there have been some mergers and, and uh, some failures, but 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 that hasn't been as giant a change as is more recently as the alliances. And the alliances um, are, are, you know, what they what they've what they've made easier to do, uh, and this kind of gets into the granular issue of this uh, of sailing uh, blank sailings. But an alliance, because if you have two or three companies or more companies all kind of having their uh, their ships in one network, um, it's easier to pick one of those and say, okay, that ship is going to stay in Singapore, and and we're not going to run it this voyage, and it's going to wait till its slot comes up the next time. That's much easier to do when you're when you're part of an alliance where you have a whole bunch of ships. That's that's much more difficult to do as a um, uh, uh, an individual carrier, and also through the alliance, it, it has the net effect of, of kind of spreading that out. So um, the, the alliances are. are uh, have, have have been allowed. Uh, you know, again, I I think what's what what what's important to look at is, is the the results of the industry over the the long term. And and it um, to me, I, I it, it raises the, the the broad question of um, you know uh, is it is is it is it a is it a transaction or is it a relationship and um, uh, between the carrier and the shipper and. Um, 
certainly most people would, would, would agree that, you know, in the past, I mean, in, in 2016, for instance, the container shipping industry lost um, uh, $9 billion. You know, the entire industry lost money. Uh, uh, you, you go to 2017, 2018, uh, one was a loss year of $2 million, another they made a million and a half. Uh, you know, in 2019, I think they made 800,000 by, and that's a total industry that has like 200 billion of revenue. I mean, not a great return on capital. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's just abysmal. I mean, under any metric, the, the industry is underperforming. Uh, I dare say that there isn't any class of, of, of shippers as an industry that move freight on container shipping um, that, uh, prior to uh, a year ago, would even think about trading their results. Um, that being said, you know, when the industry is losing money, you know, Mr. Shipper wasn't, you know, really, well, I see that you lost, um, Mr. Carrier, you lost $2 billion last year. So let's talk about um, more rates. No, they, they they would say, well, that's the market. And, and, you know, I'll be guided by that. So what I think has happened uh, now in a rather aggressive way is that the carriers are are, are acting, quite frankly, more transactional, you know, and, and, and I guess, you know, a, a case could be made, hey, wait a minute, um, you know, when, when the shoe was on the other foot, um, uh, you certainly didn't uh, 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 think twice about, you know, when uh, another, another carrier came in and offered uh, you 20% lower rates, you know, you looked at me with a smile and said, you know, what, 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 what I, I have no choice. So, so it, it, it's an interesting question in terms of that um, that metric of, of you know is it going to be more transactional? Is it? Um, but 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 I do think that um, uh, there what, what the, the key thing to watch is the is the blank sailings, and I think the the carriers probably I suspect nobody is more surprised than they are in terms of these results. You know that being said. Uh, they they uh, are, are going to look carefully and remember carefully the things they took. I mean, I, I, there was a news just the other day that there was talk of a of a blank sailing. One of the big alliances, you know, here in kind of the middle of what is normally the the busy season. Of course, you know what's happened now, and, and containerization isn't nearly as seasonal as people think. But um, the the everything running at, at full capacity has normalized, has really flattened the normal seasonal seasonal things. So it, um, but it, it, it's 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 a fascinating question to see how this is going to turn out. I I was um, uh, uh, probably I've personally transitioned in my own view and and do see this more as is potentially a, a a real change in terms of carriers and how they operate and how they perform and uh, you know in my, my my book which came out before um, or was written before all of this happened I kind of bemoan that one of the problems in the shipping industry in general and the container shipping industry is that they need to have a return they, they yeah. need to have a real return of capital and there's some there, there are some structural issues that, that challenge shipping going forward, and it's a whole other subject, but a lot of that has to do with the, the active involvement of governments as, as owners of shipping companies who are, you know, have oftentimes a different agenda. So, so there are still those structural challenges, um, but the industry is, is now looking at a performance that it never, ever thought was possible. I mean, last, last quarter... The industry as a whole had a net income to revenue margin of over 33%. You know, yeah. it could be 37% uh, this coming quarter. So, what, I mean, one question comes up, I mean, is 
if I'm a shipper right now, let's say I, I'm, a, I'm a shipper and I need to get goods imported into the U.S., what, what strategy should I employ, right? I mean, because, you know, let's say I have containers that are getting kicked from one vessel to the next vessel to the next vessel, struggling to get them in. Like, like, like what would you tell a shipper in that situation right now? And they, they can't wait for these other vessels to, to come online or for, for a, a different time period. Well, it, it seems to me the, the clear, obvious thing is that you remind them that uh, uh, you're, you're in this for the long haul and uh, you have a memory. And, um, uh, uh, you know, if, if you feel that you're, you're treated uh, unfairly, um, I don't I, I, I but I imagine a lot of those conversations um, are kind of the flip of conversations that I know happened back in my operating day when 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 shippers you had a good relationship with uh, explained that um, uh, you know somebody else offered you know and it's kind of almost uh, what would you do and 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 so I think carriers are having those I think it's um it, it's I, I think the response frankly by carriers um is is going to vary by shipper uh, there are certainly some shippers that have um, strength and clout and that uh, uh, carriers are going to be leery to. Um, have them at the back of the line. You know, that being said, uh, what, what has happened now, and again, it, it's never really happened to this degree in, in, in my time really looking at the industry, you, you have a, a meaningful shortage of capacity. You have carriers risking, you know, their freight not moving, uh, uh, certainly when they thought, and maybe not even moving, uh, uh, you know, at all. I mean, some cases, of, you know, and, and the problem with that in any uh, in any kind of triage situation, uh, you know, carriers are looking at what's in their in their best interest, and 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 I'm sure that there are a lot of um, uh, I wouldn't call it shenanigans, but you know, there are contracts that somebody has, and I imagine there are carriers that uh, you know say, well, uh, you know, why don't we renew your contract earlier than it um, uh, uh, is due to expire, and and you should you should have a higher rate, you know, it um, because you know all of a sudden. I, I, I think I, I guess I, I used to somebody recently that for the first time in memory, uh, shippers who are used to kind of um, uh, 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 having having control and controlling the situation, there's there's a little fear. There's there's fear that all of a sudden, you know, there's something worse than not having the the lowest rate. You know, it's it's getting getting screamed at by your operating people. Say, what do you mean we didn't get that that shipment? You know, we need to sell that product. So, so I think I think there's probably a bit of a scramble more so than that. There's a willingness on the part of shippers uh, to to pay more uh, 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 to, to to pay more. All of a sudden, when you're in a triage situation, the last you you don't you don't want to be the guy with the lowest rate. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, time has moved quickly. We're only a couple couple minutes left, but I just you know in the last couple minutes, just want to ask you about. One of the other things you publish on a lot is the you know various market share you know for the for the various ports, and with the tremendous congestion on the west coast, you know we have seen some you know d- divergence to other ports. You know how practical it sort of is that as, as sort of a practical matter because that changes everyone's supply chains. And, and how do you see the the port market share in the next year? I, I think that's a, a very uh, not only practical but but something that should be actively looked at for for a couple of reasons. And one, um, you know, the ports in, in the West Coast, uh, you know, particularly LA and Long Beach, um, you know, there there's structural issues in terms of you know the, the, these are ports where giant cities have kind of grown up around 
Christendom. You know, you have that with a lot of ports. And so the ability to <clears throat> to just, um, you know, add another terminal isn't isn't quite there. Um, and, and so, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 certainly the congestion on the West Coast has been more than the East Coast. The much larger reason, and, and this gets into, uh, you know, overall economics, but um, most particularly with the change of the Panama Canal, where three times larger container ships can now go, uh, it was always cheaper. I mean, water, water line haul costs per mile or a, a single digit percent of, 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 of land cost, uh, you know, even, even when it's mostly rail. Um, and, and so if you look at, if you look at the, the U.S., the map of the U.S., I mean, fundamentally containers, in terms of inbound containers, they, they end up, their final destination is where people are. And if you look at the population of the U.S. by state, um, you know, right now we have about 50 percent of the containers coming into the U.S. come over the West Coast. Many of those go on to um, uh, all the way across the country or to eastern points. Um, what's interesting, if you look at the population by state and kind of have the simple algebra equation of your line haul cost by water and your line haul cost by land, um, you know, only about 25% of the population of the U.S. can be more economically served over the West Coast. So Got I it. think that's something that that is going to going to play out. Again, we, we saw it before we got into issues related to the tariff and the pandemic. But I think when we get back to normalized times, you're going to see uh, a, a rather constant shift. Got it. Also- Thank you. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're about out of time, um, but we're going to have to have you on uh, again to go into this you know, more detail. I think you could have gone on for 30 hours, uh, 30 minutes with your uh, great uh, depth of, of, of knowledge. But um, if, if anyone else uh, wants to, to contact you know you know me for, for any reason, uh, you can reach out at mbowdendistal at freightwaves.com. And, and you know John's email is john.d.mccown at gmail.com. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, yes. great. Thank well, you. Thanks very much, John. That was a great overview. And uh, keep in touch. And we'll have you on again.